And it's really teasing out those kind of ethical aspects of good decision making. Welcome to the Fincia podcast. Uh, today, uh, I'm really excited to have uh, Chris Parker, who is uh, director of the Ethics Alliance and the Banking and Financial Services Oath, who's joining me today to talk about Ethical. Chris, fantastic to talk to you again. Um, yeah, we, good, to, good to be here. We've had a bit of a, a, a catch up, but I um, wanted to share some more uh, facts about this service that, that is on offer. Um, where did it come from? You know, when was, when was it set up and can you give us a bit of background? Yeah, sure. So um, Ethical, well, to start off, I'd, I'd just like everyone to know that it's completely free um, and it, you can access it by going to the Ethics Centre website, which is ethics.org.au, and you can book a one-hour session with an ethics counsellor online. And the way it started, so the Ethics Centre started in 1989, um, and in 1991, so a couple of years later, Ethical was started, and it originally started with Simon, my colleague, um, who's our Simon Longstaff, our executive director, and Hugh Mackay um, were both at the centre, and they personally offered uh, both phone and face-to-face -face sessions to individuals who were facing ethical dilemmas. And you can see how that's not a sustainable model. Um, <laughs> so it has grown uh, today. And so currently there's approximately 20 trained volunteer, and we are all volunteers, um, counsellors, and the sessions are available by phone only. Um, yeah, and I am also one of those counsellors, which is an absolute privilege to be honest. Okay, um, and and so well, that so that's um, thirty years plus so that it's yeah, it's, it's that's been right. into three decades. Um, probably difficult to um, uh, put a figure on how many people have um, um, used the service, or uh, I'm not sure. Maybe you have. Well, no, that's that that may, might be a little bit hard, but we can look at a year, for example. Yeah. So if we look yeah. at last year, there were four hundred calls um, that were made, which is about 35 calls a month right, um, right. And, and we go through stages I must say through COVID um, of course there were huge spikes so we did we, we weren't able to actually keep up with all of those calls um, uh, but now you know you will be seen probably within a week or two maybe even sooner if you say it's an emergency I've taken emergency calls after hours um, with people where it's imminent, um, the decision needs to be made first thing in the morning for whatever reason, and they're really stuck. Um, but otherwise, I think the maximum you would have to wait at this stage is around two weeks. But you can try and get in early if it's if it's really important. I mean, because when you, when you have an ethical dilemma, you know, and those of you out there listening to this who have had one know it's it, it's really can be debilitating. It can be the kind of thing that keeps you up at night, that makes you feel quite nauseous or you can't eat or you're irritable or you can't concentrate on your work or if it is at work, you, you just dread going to work. So it is something that can really be a difficult thing to hold on to. Um, and so at least having this session or even though you may not actually get a aha, wow, I know what to do moment, um, you definitely get um, the capacity to, to just have a better understanding of how to stop feeling so stuck. 
So you, you move away from this binary place that you're in, which is, oh, my God, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. And neither looks good to, oh, OK, no, there are more options and I can see which one, which way feels better and et cetera. Yeah. No, I, mean, I get it. I, I, you know, I, 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 uh, it's interesting to hear that. Um, w- one thing I was thinking about, and, and uh, I wasn't 100% certain about this, is it um, um, essentially for, for business or, or is it, you know, uh, do, do you get have personal um, inquiries? Yeah, I actually asked the team about this just to get some stats on this because I wasn't sure. I mean, I know personally what I get, but they said that approximately 65% of the calls were for personal reasons, 25% for professional, and then what's left is a balance of community, personal, professional. So just it's hard to identify it as a specific area. It's actually one bleeds into the other and the other and just takes over your whole life. Um, But that the personal calls, I know personally that I've had, a lot of it is around end of life decisions. A lot of it is around that kind of idea of, you know, I promised my mother I would never put her in a home. And now I I actually feel like I have no choice and I'm breaking my promise to her. Or, you know, with modern sort of mixed marriages, there's that idea where, well, you know, you know, a step you know, father has passed away and suddenly the person who is in charge of the money doesn't want to give money to to their kids. And, you know, and all of these questions about what is Mm. their responsibility because they have options to change wills or you're on the receivership end of a will and you feel like something is unfair. And uh, so there's a lot of those kind of difficult discussions um, about, you know, working you know with family members when you're dealing with loved ones going through really difficult times and and managing mm. all those trade-offs and then yeah. and then the professionals that I've had is often around the kind of whistleblowing um mm. sort of stuff yeah um i mean um talking about that and and um uh, i'll come back to the question 4 i was going to talk about but maybe following on from that is you know are you able to give more um insights into those kind of business uh, issues that you do get a little bit more detail about that sort of the, the whistleblower so how was um uh, I, I don't know are there any examples without naming names that you know that could cause problems <laughs> yeah know, it's a really difficult it, one because yeah, it is yeah. obviously confidential yeah. and it's not my place to to speak yeah. to any of it specifically but there are those kinds of things where there might be somebody who um sits in let's say on a board for example and uh it's come to light that one of the other members of the board is involved in um an area that goes against the values of the organisation, for example, Mm -hmm. something like that. Or, um, you know, and what do you do? But they're a really valued member of that team, you know, so how do you you manage that? Or there might be, oh, there is, yeah, there is that kind of idea of, um, uh, you know, I've, I've done this work for this person and they've now gone and taken my work and put their name on it and, you know, have, have moved yeah. on with that and they're getting their own, you know, credit um, for that, which is significant 
um, and it could have been mine, you know. And yeah. so suddenly it's like, well, if you say something, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot potentially. But if you don't say something, you know, what does that make you feel about your own sense of professionalism and, and worth? So there's those kinds of things yeah. as well. Yeah. Or, um, you know, it's the, those times in business where practices, uh, where self-interest comes to play um, in, in some respect, and ultimately the recipient of that is going to be someone who feels like they've been unfairly treated in some way. And in business, you know, do you suck that up? Um, you know, I don't mean that. <laughs> but, you know, do, do, you, yeah. do you suck yeah. that up? Yeah. Yeah. For your own self-interest, for the pursuit of your own personal career, or is it something that means enough to you to say, you know what, I have to say something here. And yeah. and sometimes it's hard to manage that because you have to, you know, see what that trade-off of values is. Uh, yeah, I can imagine those. Um, I mean, I think people listening would, would agree, you know, hopefully there's not many you know who are, are really struggling but if, if people do have those kind of issues it's um um where do you turn to if the, the you know something is not working for you in, in in where you are working and um you feel that kind of way and it's um it's great to know that there are there is this kind of confidential service um you know and, it, and i think that the thing is too it's really it's really um, important to understand that the service, we provide no solutions. We provide no advice. Yeah. Um, there, there, Of course, there are times where we might be able to, if it's actually not an ethical dilemma, which often it's not actually an ethical dilemma. And so we, we work with the client to see what other resources mm. they might be able to access to help. But for those true ethical dilemmas, it's not it's about helping the the um, caller or the client get a better understanding of their own values and where their priorities lie and whether, you know, what is their ethical default? Are they looking for an outcome? Are they, is it someone's rights that they're concerned about? Is there duties and obligations they've not considered? And it's really teasing out those kind of ethical aspects of good decision making. Um, and, and often, you know, just ideas, you know, have you thought of this? And and so they actually, as you're having the call, the caller will often very subtly drop all these ideas, but have, has never thought of them as ideas. And so when you come back and say, well, you did say this and you did say that, they go, hmm. oh, right. I have got the answers, you know, it's just helping kind of put the emotion to the side for a minute and say okay you're really emotional about this we'll just park that here for a minute not denying it but parking it now let's look at the facts and the assumptions and that's what we get trained to test and challenge those assumptions i suppose um then you, you know you're you're empowering them to make those ethical their decisions. own decision that's their right because they probably have the tools to do it you just don't know it and you just have to as you said I think tease it out. So, um, and emotion uh, clouds a lot, mm, you know. Mm. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, I th I, th I think it's uh, it's a it's an incredible, fascinating area, and and you know um, very important. So, I mean, the thing that I was going to add, we talked about how long it's been going and the number of people you help. Um, clearly, um, you, you must have some rigorous controls about what you how you need to be able to operate as 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 a counsellor, do you have to, have you got formal training? Um, yeah. and, and on the back of that, are you looking for more people to mm -hmm. act as volunteers? Yes. So 
Currently, we're not looking per se because um, as a not-for-profit, the Ethics Centre actually relies on funding for this program. Um, and it is, I was just looking, it is actually a five to six month um, commitment by someone. It's a combination of e-learning, face-to-face workshops in Sydney. Um, uh, so it, the training is actually quite robust. And uh, although we're not... Um, looking currently for people, we do have an active list of people who may want to in the future so that when we do, um, you know, require, when we when we do get that funding and, and start up another one, um, another session, they'll be called for sure. So they should just contact the Ethics Centre and say they'd like to put their name down on the list to become a counsellor if they'd like to. It's really, it's really, um, if you have the time and it's, might only be an hour, but I think we kind of like people to do two sessions a week, so two hours a week volunteering. But it's an incredible privilege to listen to people. Um, just you, you really get a sense of relief on the other end of the phone, and these people bear their, you know, their their worries and very personal stuff. So. Um, you get to make a real difference and that does it does feel quite special yeah it's it, yeah. it's it's worth it if that's your thing um just remembering you're not there to solve any problems if you're just really happy to just listen and, and you follow a very structured program so this isn't all on you you know it's mm. very structured the, the the questioning and and the way it goes um the training is more about learning how to listen for the listen for those little nuances of assumptions and listen to what's underneath the words. And that's what the training, a lot of the training is about. Mm. Um, it, it sounds like a, a vital service. It really does. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I know you're not saying you've, um, uh, you know, uh, you're looking for, for new, for new counsellors, but I'm sure there's probably it some listeners out, there's listeners out there that would probably like to get on that list that you have. Um, uh, look, I, I, I think, you know, for the podcast, um, maybe leave it there and um, reflect a little bit more on this. Um, uh, Chris, again, I'd really like to say thank you very much for sharing what it's all about. And, and uh, thanks to uh, the Fincia members who may be listening and um, uh, um, do get involved, get in touch uh, if you do want to. Terrific. Thank you. thank you. And thank you so much for having me and the opportunity to to let people know about it. And we would encourage anybody that is listening, actually, they can um, promote ethical within their own businesses as a service, as a free service. So if you reach out to the Ethics Centre, you can get a kind of a communication pack from the Ethics Centre so that you can share that information with with clients or customers. Brilliant. Or staff, or staff, absolutely. Brilliant. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome.